So uh, how are how are things there in quarantine, and uh, how's training going? Uh, pretty good, man. Honestly, uh, which I know, I, b- I believe you're you're not from America, are you? Um, no, I'm can- Canadian. Okay, okay. So uh, I don't know how different it is there from here. Um, there's certain places that are a little more strict, but really, it's they're relying on us to be good people, and most people aren't, or at least not following <laughs> the rules. But uh, training hasn't changed much. Uh, fortunately, I have a key to the gym that I train at, and um, so. We go in, but usually it's a uh, one or two of us maximum, um, trying to avoid as much contact as possible. But really, not much has changed. Uh, conditioning stayed the same. Um, skills training stayed the same. Really, the only thing lacking is where I might have ten to fifteen training partners that I could alternate through on a normal week. Now it's just me and one other guy or two other guys a week. But really, everything's the same. Um, travel here isn't limited very much they obviously say essential travel only really go to the grocery store or whatever has to be done but not very many people are getting punished for going to you know going out freely people are only really getting in trouble for um large gatherings and stuff or at least where I'm, i live yeah here uh, in nova scotia anyway this this province we've i think we're the strictest canadian province like mm-hmm. you, you're allowed to go out only for grocery stores and they've closed off all parks so if i get caught at like a playground i can get fined a thousand thousand canadian which is 600 us Ooh. um so it's uh, it's pretty strict here and so like uh we're all working from home if you can mm-hmm. uh, if not all is, all businesses are shut down unless they're essential so like so mechanics and stuff like that so it's all gyms are closed uh i work at uh at like a sports facility so mm-hmm. my gym's my gym shut down so i have like a 60 pound barbell <laughs> that's all i've got um so it's yeah. uh gyms are shut down here and stuff man it's like like i was saying the small groups but Absolutely. I believe where I'm from, they're trying to open everything back on the first, but I'm, I'm not very hopeful. What's your take yeah. on on COVID, I guess, and the seriousness of it? Yeah, I think, honestly, like, I, I don't know anybody personally that has it or mm-hmm. has had it. Uh, most of my family's in Europe, so it's uh-huh. a lot more serious there. Um, so I got the call from them months earlier, and they were like, be careful. And I'm like, why uh yeah so uh it didn't hit nova scotia too too badly um the only people here that have really been affected by it are el- the elderly and stuff like that um i think it's a bit blown out of proportion uh-huh. um but i mean i'm no expert i don't <laughs> i don't know anything yeah, yeah. what about uh, you know, what about you I was, I was curious to see what the demographic was i guess or like uh, the opinion of people determined on where they live because where I'm from, like, we were the last state to have a confirmed case. So we, we haven't had it bad. I think we've had maybe 100 confirmed cases in our entire state. And I believe, like, one death, maybe two. And the, the strange part, though, with the death was that the one death we had was a 25-year-old. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was kind of strange, but really still only one death. What I've heard, though, a lot of uh, hospitals and stuff are actually closed down. Um, or not closed down, I apologize. Like, super empty. Let me rephrase that. Um, whereas most people think they're packed. So, Yeah, I had to go I had to go to the hospital. Not for me, but I had to drop someone off at the hospital. And it was dead, right? People are avoiding it, I think, unless yeah. they absolutely need to go. Um, anyway, that's, I mean, that's here anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
But uh, I mean, hopefully it clears up because everything's on standstill. Um, Do they that's have the main you guys reason I a potential opening or uh, like my my work. Uh, just your just everything. How long do have they give you guys an estimate to when you think you'll go back to like normality? We have no idea. It's biweekly. I got a call from one of my employers yesterday, and he's like, "Just so you know, we don't, we still don't know anything. So it looks like everybody's out of the loop. Um, so, and I know Canada's gone way to the like way more to the extreme than the U.S. Mm-hmm. The yeah. U.S. has been pretty. Uh, like Donald Trump wants to get everything <laughs> up and running pretty quickly. Yeah um so i it's it's very different um our government seems to be more uh like they're they're less conservative they want to they want to be safe rather than just going out there and and risking things (laughs) what are they doing for those that uh can't work for home or cannot work for at all like their job is closed or whatever yeah so i i'm fortunate enough i work for a tech company so i'm an accountant uh for Uh a tech company so i get to work i'm working remotely um, so I get paid and everything's the same for me except for my physical location. Um, but everyone else is on EI. So the government pays them to, to work from home. And then they're, I think they're giving additional funding as well. Uh, okay. and I think there were, there were talks about lowering prices of, uh, like, uh, electricity and all that stuff, but cool, I have no cool. idea what, I don't know if that went through or not. And I don't really know the, the extent of that um but it's yeah canada's gone way to the extreme compared to the u.s yeah well i mean it dep- i guess it depends on which side you're looking at it as far as like let's assume that COVID is actually that bad then that's the proper measure to take if it's not then you know i guess that's why everybody's back and forth on it yeah so. here here in, i don't know about you guys but here in canada the u.s or the oil sorry dropped below a dollar so right now people who own oil mm-hmm. uh stocks have to pay to get rid of them oh I, so i had thought about that on the side of like the gas buyer or yeah. the guy that needs to buy oil i never thought about it as the guy that would own the stocks for the oil company yeah so. yeah so right now it's people are like paying to get rid of them which is mm-hmm which is crazy to think of. Would, uh, would it not be more, uh, which I'm not a super, super intelligent on the conversation or informed, but wouldn't it pay off to just hold on to those and uh, wait for yep. the rebound? Yep. That's what you, I mean, that's what I'd do if I had it. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, may as well wait it out, but I'm not exactly sure on it either. I'm no expert. So I don't, yeah. uh, I don't really know a whole lot on that. It's just, I think it's the first time ever that that's happened or at least mm-hmm. in a very long time. So it's very unusual um but yeah, yeah it's definitely sure. odd this <laughs> is the world's a weird place right now for sure yeah yeah so um before your last your last fight you had a you had a really long layoff i think you you had to wait a year before fighting you were, there was some rumors there you were uh did those fa- fights fall through i think you you mentioned that they weren't your fault or it wasn't on your end but what exactly <laughs> happened so uh to, to get the exact timeline i made my pro debut uh november and I swear it still feels like 2006 to me. So, but I think it was 2018. Um, it blows my mind that it's 2020. Uh, so I believe I made my pro debut in November of 2018, and then won it. Uh, was scheduled to fight February of uh, 2019, and yeah. the event ended up falling through. So they um, something about just getting everything with the state commission and stuff, and everything just ended up falling through. So then I got booked uh, in Vermont. Um, 
for April the 16th. I don't know why I remember these dates, um, <laughs> but April the 16th. And then the guy ended up pulling out with the, at, at the initial moment, I was very aggravated at his reason for pulling out. In hindsight, it's probably the most honest, respectful answer. He, uh, he pulled out about four weeks out from the fight and was like, look, I'm just not ready. And so he, uh, he pulled out of the fight and decided that he wanted to stay amateur. It was supposed to be his pro debut. And um, so that one fell through. I immediately got scheduled again for two weeks after that one. And, well, okay, so first I had signed that one and I had pre-scheduled for three months after that or two months after that um, the event that I was supposed to be on in February. They had finally got everything scheduled for a month or so after I was supposed to compete in Vermont. So I was going to compete in Vermont and then immediately rebound the fight near my home. And so in between those two, the guy in Vermont pulled. So I tried to find another fight because I still wanted to compete before I competed at home because I didn't want to break my layoff in front of everybody that personally knows me. Um, And so I'd booked one and then the uh, person that ran my contract for the event at home I had overlooked and I could not compete within, I think it was a hundred days of that event. So I ended up having, that one was a little my fault. I had to pull out of my belt because of another contract, but they put that one on my record, even though I never officially signed the contract. So I never truly withdraw because I never truly signed the contract, but I did break a verbal agreement on it. So that one was a little on my fault, um, but we were still going to try to recover that belt. Then the event that was in my hometown uh, had came by and my opponent pulled out the day before the fight with some chest congestion, which had it happened around this time, we would have all said coronavirus. But um, so he pulled out and then I get scheduled again for which I don't believe this one was on my topology, but you could follow my Instagram through it or something. Uh, I ended up supposed to compete on King of the Cage, compete on King of the Cage. And in my actual home state, because uh, I, I live in like um, the middle, I would say, between like four different states. I could get to each place around the same amount of time. So that one was in Virginia. I could compete in Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, and I'll go with, let's say, two to three hours each direction. So I could still technically be local. But I was going to get a compete for King of the Cage in my own state. And it was the first time they'd ever been here. So I was super stoked about that. And um, their whole event ended up falling through as well. And then that same opponent, (laughs) I know, long story, uh, same opponent ended up uh, being cool enough to accept the fight again on a different card. And we finally fought, which was Drayon Martin. And then I got booked again after that one to fight Fatty Schumann on March 15th of this, this year. And we both weighed in, made weight, showed up at the event. Woke up, did my morning shakeout, uh, was ready to fight, and I, as I was getting in the shower, I'd done my shakeout. We were going to go get some food after I showered. I checked my phone, and my manager had sent me a text that called me, and I called her, and they had scrapped the whole event. They were trying to do it without the spectators due to COVID, and yeah. the governor wouldn't let us even do that, so they just completely shut down the event. But fortunately, 247, I will vouch for them as a very professional promotion. They still paid me my show money and everything, so... Although they weren't obligated to, so. so that's a, I mean, crazy year, I guess. Yeah, um, that, that's my pro career in a in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. The 
The uh, the one thing that I find really interesting about your career is how long you spent as an amateur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many bouts it was. I think uh, 14, 14, fights? Listed at 14, but there, uh, surprisingly, a lot of people haven't heard of this. I felt like it was uh, larger, but there was a, a promotion that went through here as a boxing promotion uh, where I live called the Rough and Rowdy, and they made their money essentially finding the worst places where I live uh, because there's a huge stereotype of like essentially just being like a redneck or a hillbilly um, and, and made those people look very stupid. It was like an off-the-street boxing contest, so you had to know nothing about fighting. Actually, you was not allowed. If you had more than three sanctioned fights, you could not compete. But, I mean, obviously everybody wants to do it because it was like a $5,000 tournament. So that same promoter, though, got into MMA. And so he... I'd fought MMA events for him before because it wasn't as um, uncompetitive as the boxing event. And he ended up not reporting on the topology or anything. So I, technically my amateur record should have been listed at 14 and 7 instead of 7 and 7. And I had fought nine amateur boxing matches. You were 8 and 1, correct? The one thing I find really interesting about your MMA uh, career is you you have a boxing background but i think <laughs> all of your wins are by submission yeah yeah absolutely and i have no idea how it keeps happening <laughs> like it, it, don't get me wrong it's not that i don't want to grapple and it's not that i don't want to strike it's just um you have to do what will win a lot of people i feel like get in there and they forget that as it's our job to do just one thing it doesn't matter how i do it, it doesn't matter if i get beat up for 14 minutes I just have to do one thing, and that's win. And I can address how I won after that. But in the moment, I just have to win. So with that being said, I just take whatever comes my way. So. Yeah, I watched your uh, I watched your last fight against Dreon Martin, and uh, he had you up against the cage, and then you just mm-hmm. threw him down and finished him. It was uh, <laughs> it was uh, describe that like what what went through your mind? You like you just you literally just tossed him to the side and then mounted him. Uh, um. When he pushed me against the cage, I was upset because I was like, uh, I, I really wanted to strike because I knew he was a boxer, and I, I really just wanted to to test myself, I guess, and which is just as much my fault for backing, I guess. Um, but I wasn't also trying to have a brawl in the first ten seconds. So once he pinned me to the cage, I was kind of surprised that he shot because he was the whole build up. He was talking about striking the whole time, and. Um, after he grabbed me, I almost had a guillotine. I decided to let go of it because I was like, I'm not going to win the fight by guillotine. And the only thing people are going to remember is that he almost had me before I got him on a submission. And then he locked his hands under my legs. And I was I thought about letting him take me down because I knew that I was more skilled on the ground than he was. But then I, I also thought I can't, I can't have people think that he was good enough to take me down. Yeah. So with that being said, once he had step, stepped and he just off balanced himself by squaring his hips up. Um, it, it was just easy. I, it was more of a, I can't believe he's given me this opening than anything. So, yeah, um, it was, it's, I, I think it's, I think it's hilarious that you had a boxing background <laughs> and video wins or, or submissions. It's, it's, it's different, um, I guess. Um, you were scheduled to face Fatty Schumann, like you, like you mentioned. Is there any talks on that being rebooked or is that the fight you're looking to or? So, they, I have a few options I'm very interested in. Obviously, um, uh, with my youth being very young, uh, 23, 
uh, and very experienced throughout my amateur career and stuff. I, I would very, I would obviously love to get like a early jump in Bellator, let's say, uh, which would be a great um, a great interest. My probably my main interest, uh, excluding UFC, but that's not a realistic thing as a two and O. But two and O, three and O, you you could get a Bellator shot. Yeah. Um, as far as that fight goes, I'm not opposed to it. It's just kind of hard to get re-motivated to fight the same guy that you were that close to fighting. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I would definitely want more money for it. Uh, other than that, there is a local event where I live. Uh, actually, the same event that I was supposed to fight on I was telling you about. Um, coming up probably early fall that uh, they can't specify, obviously, because nobody knows. But if I got to fight that one, it would probably be for a belt. And if I got to fight for their belt, I would obviously pick that fight. So, what's the uh, obviously you mentioned Bellator and UFC? Is that is that the ultimate goal there? Is to compete for those big organizations? I make a living doing it and be the best there is to do it. Um, a lot of people I feel like get into sport as an amateur, and their goal is to go pro. For me, I always felt like it was um, like a guarantee that I was going to go pro, and I almost feel like it's a guarantee that I'll make it to the UFC. The only thing that is a question in my head is once I get there, will I be a champion? Um, so obviously that's where I'm working at now. I feel like I could already be there. I could already compete. The only gap that I'm trying to bridge right now is to be able to be a top 10 UFC featherweight. Um, so I just need the exposure, but the skill is there to get there. I just want to make sure that I'm ready to stay there once I'm there. So You've talked a you've talked a bit about uh, your weight, whether or not it's 145, and I think I, I heard an interview of you talking about potentially dropping down to bantamweight. Is that is that still an option, or are you sticking <laughs> to featherweight? Oh, definitely featherweight. I um I, I don't know. I don't know how to even really word it. It was like I hit a, a second puberty very fast, man. Like it was like I was 22 and I was 152 pounds, like walking around. And then I, I'm 23, almost 24, and now I'm walking around 168, 169. And we, um, <clears throat> there's a guy that opened up a nutritional store beside of our gym. Uh, give him a little shout out. A shout out. It's a What's Up Supplements. But he has a like a machine over there that will actually scan your body fat percentage. I've looked it up and studied it. It's supposed to be like 98% accurate. And when I last got it checked, I was 159, which this was on my way down for my fight against Fatty Schumann. But I was only 8% body fat at 159, and I'd actually had 141 pounds of lean mass. So if I'd been completely stripped of all fat and all water, I'd be 141. So uh, bantam weight is possible if I was willing to give up just muscle mass. And I, I could understand giving up fat mass to fit into a weight class, but to give up muscle, you'll never compete worse by being stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... So if you could give up the fat to make a smaller weight class, I would do it. But no, nah, I'm stuck at featherweight. I've uh, I always thought that uh, I mean I saw it with like guys like Kevin Lee. Um, I always thought that a big camp ends up playing a big factor in their overall success and growth as a fighter. Have you have you considered relocation? Obviously, your your current camp has been successful. You're undefeated as a as a pro. Do you think as time progresses, you may shift to to a camp? Um, such as like Rofu Sport, or I think even um, Team Alpha Male would fit well, uh, especially with your submissions. Um, oh. Is it something you've considered? Um, never permanently, if that makes sense. Um, I could see myself 
uh, let's say, uh, we'll just throw American top team out there. Uh, I could see myself traveling there, training for four to six weeks, competing, but always coming home back to where I'm from. Uh, so more of like uh, go out there, do a camp fight, come home. Go out there, do a camp fight, come home. But these guys, I met them when I was 12. So me doing such like me doing that and completely leaving uh, would be hard on me, just because once you're around new people, let's say that somebody might know something better, but these people aren't going to know me as well. And these yeah. people also are not going to be ha- half as interested in investing as much time in me as my current team is. Just for the fact of if I'm in a team where there's 150 UFC fighters and three of them are champions, obviously 150 is a huge number, but you know, and three of them are champions, two of them are champions, I'm at least the third or fourth important person, whereas now I'm the first. Um, not that being third, fourth is bad, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so I, I could definitely see myself going out there for a fight and then fighting and competing, but always coming home. You always have to keep the people around you that are be- that are interested in your best, um, what, what's best for you as a person as well, not just you as a fighter. So. Yeah, I, I find like especially if you if you did get out and uh, at least at least have a training camp, you know, you you get to, to roll with the good guys. But like you said, you go back and and you stick it out with the guys who you bet know you best, the the training partners that know you best, mm-hmm. the coaches, and uh, and whatnot. Um, how did you find the transition, I guess, from boxing to to MMA? Obviously, you've seen a lot of success. And you've had no issue transitioning because all your wins are submissions. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that transition? And was it was it unusual? Was it uh, was it different? Obviously, we see professional boxers like James Tony who made the transition. Mm-hmm. It didn't go as well. Um, obviously, at not quite the level of James Tony. But how did you find that that move? Um, by accident. Uh, <laughs> to answer that, I um, when I first started, I started doing MMA when I was twelve. Uh, so and jujitsu is actually what I was better at. Um, not good at. Nobody's just good at it, but I was better at it than boxing initially. Um, but I've always inter- been interested in striking more. I guess um, just because it's more visually appealing, especially when you're like 12. Yeah. So that's what I picked up and wanted to start competing in. So although I'd had a little bit of jujitsu experience and did it along the side, I was mainly focused in boxing. When I started boxing competitively that became my main focus and we had a guy that had a mma fight coming up he'd already had like four or five mma fights amateur obviously and he needed a sparring partner for that day he had a fight coming up in a few weeks and the guy who was fighting was predominantly a boxing stylist guy with a little bit of wrestling and so they just asked me to get in there spar with him uh shoot a takedown or two whatever i can with that but mostly boxing and so i did i ended up taking him down and ironically rear naked choking him (laughs) And my coach was like, hey, they have an opening on a show in like two weeks. Would you be interested in doing it? Um, more as like, a, I know you don't really care about this stuff. It'd be fun to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, just to get you in there before you go back to boxing. Because my whole complete thing was just knock some rust off and box again. And I did it once, and that's all I've done since. I, I think I might have boxed one more amateur match since then. But ever since, I've just been a, like an MMA junkie. Like, it's just was what there- I do. Was there a fighter that you uh, that you looked at and was like, oh, that's that's the guy that got me into it? I, I fell in love with the sport with Rampage. Um, uh, it, so here's um, an embarrassing thing, I guess, to admit. I had never watched a full UFC event before the Ronda Rousey-Holly Holm uh, fight. So I'd actually been a fighter, 
before I watched an actual UFC event. Um, I'd actually had two MMA fights before I watched a UFC event. Uh, not that I'd never watched like highlights or clips yeah. or a fight. I just never sit down and watch an entire event. Um, but I remember when I was 12 or 13, I would, I'd get home from practice and I would sit there and eat after doing my homework, whatever. And for hours until like my mom would make me go to bed, just watching Anderson Silva highlights over and over, even if it was the same video for the hundredth time. Yeah. So I would say that he really captivated, um, what I truly enjoy in martial arts. And that's somebody that has toughness, uh, which you seen him ex- uh, express in his Chelsea and fight, the first one, um, yeah. with an elite level um, submission, obvious, uh, submissions, obviously, uh, being a black belt. And then um, just his finesse on his feet was so amazing. How he could um, take people that you watch them fight, and these two guys are so violent, so aggressive that when you watch Anderson Silva, you're like, there's no way this skinny guy with the dad bod is going to be able to do anything with this man. And then he just makes them look like they just fumble every time they just fumble. And if you watch me, you'll, and you watch the people I fought in their previous fights. And then you watch my previous fights, you're, you, you will find yourself being like, I don't know how this guy's going to do anything with this guy. And then somehow every time they get in there with me, I just make them fumble. So one of the uh, after one of your fights, you had talked about a little bit about how your your mindset. And I think it was you you, you thought too much in the cage. And I think it was the fight you broke your nose. Um, how did you? How are you switch? How are you going to switch that? I guess for your next fight, and and how do you turn that off when you're in the cage? Um, for me, uh, I finally found it in my last fight. Like I guess I, I still think you'll always think, but you can't think about repercussions. And I always thought about, re- thought about repercussions. Let's say I was controlling somebody. There was an arm bar opening. Instead of taking it because I was afraid of losing that position and potentially ended up in a bad spot, I would hold or overthink it so much that the opportunity would pass. So for me, I had to realize that I'm, I, I drill these motions so that I can do them off of instinct. So I have to trust myself to rely off of that instinct. And so ever since I've turned pro or ever since the fight where uh, I'd got my nose busted and broken up, uh, I learned that, A, I'm not made of glass. I can get hit and be fine. And two, I learned that if I just react, even though the things aren't going my way, because by far that fight was so far from perfect on both of our sides. We're amateurs. Um, But... I still had my moments and it was because I just reacted and the moments that I was thinking did not go my way. So I just kind of started to force myself to find, um, I guess the term would be flow state. Everybody talks about it. I I don't want to use it because I sound like, um, like I'm trying to be a guru, but I guess that's truly what it is, is just a place where I could react without thinking about, uh, this could mess up and the people in the audience are going to think I look stupid or something. And once I let go of that, uh, I don't know. It, everything just got better for me. So, yeah, I mean, it obviously turned around. You've got a successful pro career going, and and hopefully you can get back in there soon. Um, I built this kind of small platform, but the platform I built on MMA, I, I built it based on making matches after fights, as well mm-hmm. as um, making predictions before fight. Uh, there's one or two big rumored fights, uh, you know, through this time. There's a, not a whole lot of activity in the MMA world, but there is mm-hmm. two bouts that have been rumored. 
one is uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your prediction on that? Oh, man, I wish I was a bantamweight for one. And for two, um, I, I feel like he should probably fight Aljamain. Um, I see what he's doing, though. I, get, I completely get it. For one, you are, you've earned your way to be where you're at, so you do deserve the right to kind of choose your fights, I guess, yeah. um, especially since you took out two of the biggest champions. With that being said, I, I just feel like that nobody should be defending a belt against a guy that's been off for that long. Yeah. Um, so I, I would like to see him fight uh, Al Jermaine or um, is it Peter? Is it Jan yeah. or Jan? Yeah, Piotr Jan, yeah. Um, But out of this fight, I think think you have two people that have the strongest mindset by far. Um, I don't know how to predict the fight. If it stays on the feet, by all means, Cruz wins. I think Cejudo's so much shorter and Cruz moves so much that I just do not see him being able to land on the feet very much. if he gets it to the ground, I obviously see um, Cejudo winning the fight. Not that Cruz isn't an elite grappler. Everybody there is. Most yeah. of anyway. Just not an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. So now the other thing, though, is that you have to consider the fact that these angles that Cruz are gonna, is going to create will make issues for Cejudo to take him down. So I, I don't know. Where are you at on it? That's a hard one. Yeah, I have uh... – I have Dominic, and I think the you know I I, I rewatched the Marais fight, and I think mm-hmm. that's the reason that did it for me. I, I thought Marais gassed, um, which played a huge factor into that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I rewatched. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but I rewatched the Demetrius Johnson Dominic Cruz fight. Um, oh, okay. So I I don't know. I I think I think Dominic will win. Uh, because his cardio will be the decider, and I think cardio is going to be the difference. And that's my thought on that fight. Do you uh, feel like Cejudo gassed at all in that fight, though? Cejudo gassed against uh, Marais. Uh, Marais. Mm-hmm. No, I thought he came out strong there in the second round, and I think that's what finished him, is Marais didn't, had nothing left in the tank. Yeah. Um, so I think that's... I th- I have that being the decider, but I mean, who knows? But I, yeah. I agree with you. I think Aljamain deserves it more than anybody else. Oh uh, yeah, which I, in that fight I would also pick Aljamain, but I still think that Cejudo honestly has a better chance of beating Aljamain than he does uh, Cruz. Even though uh, I don't know his mindset towards, it. I just feel like where Cruz moves so much, it's going to give him so many issues. Whereas Aljamain moves a lot, but he throws a lot of kicks, and a lot of kicks are a lot of things to catch. And if you catch a kick, that's a takedown. Yeah. So, and, then, uh, and then the other one is uh, Tony and Gaethje. Um, that fight is – so I'm almost more interested in that than, honestly, the Habib fight. The only yeah, reason me too. the Habib fight me too. <laughs> pulls me in is just because it seems like it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I picked Tony, uh, 100% Tony. But I think what makes it even more crazy is that he would do this after just making weight for the fight that didn't happen and that he could easily sit down, chill out and say, you know what, I'm going to wait on the belt. And he absolutely has that ability or to at least wait on the belt or let's say a Conor McGregor fight. He could have either of those, let's be honest. And yet he's still willing to just throw it out there on the line and fight Gaethje, which is a very dangerous opponent. Um, Because if he would lose to Gaethje, then that would pretty much... Yeah. reverse 
him and Gaethje in uh, rankings and position, whereas then Gaethje would be the guy that could fight for the belt or fight Conor McGregor, which I hate that I even have to say is like the second best thing to do, but it is. So I think it's insane and says a lot about Tony for him willing to risk it. Uh, so I 100% pick Tony. I don't think he would do something that ridiculous without being smart. A lot of people call him crazy, but I think he thinks through a lot of the things he does. So yeah, I have I have Gagey, uh but <laughs> I have Gagey. and and I think that, that the one thing that that uh, that's making me pick him is I go back and I watch Tony's fights. Mm-hmm. End of Anata, Anthony Pettis, all these guys managed to drop him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Gaethje would let you get away with that. Um, he's got more knockout power, and he swarms you. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, if Tony can weather the storm, I think Tony can win. Because you, mm-hmm. you watch the Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier fights versus Gaethje, and mm-hmm. it gets to a point where he's got nothing left. Well, he's, I was going to even point out the uh, Michael Johnson fight. By the end of the fight, which only went to the second round, they were both dead. Like, I yeah. mean, he came out uh, obviously victorious, but like, it, there was a point that I think he, um, Michael Johnson got knocked down with a leg kick and he didn't even want to stand back up. And when he did, it took him like five whole seconds just to get back to his feet because he was so fatigued. And Gaethje was over there with hands on knees, like waiting on him to get back up. So, yeah. and, and I've never not seen Tony weather the storm and I've never seen Tony slow down. Yeah, so, I would say third or fourth round, Tony takes that fight. Yeah, it's just going to be whether or not he can weather the storm. I think if it's an early fight, it's Gaethje. If it yeah. goes if beyond. If it wasn't a main event, it was a three-rounder, it's Gaethje. If yeah. it's a five-rounder, it plays better into Tony. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. And I guess one last thing that's non-MMA related is what are you, uh, what are you watching and what are, you, uh, what are you doing during quarantine? Is there any movies or shows you're into? Uh, I've watched almost everything. Uh, the Chris D'Elia No Pain stand-up was awesome. I'm currently stuck on a show called Westworld. It's about like um, a sim- essentially these uh, people that live in a simulation. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a, a Black Mirror vibe if you've ever watched that. Yeah. So, but just watching TV, a lot of exercise and a lot of like work around my house. That's about it. All right, so, man. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. And all the best. Hope to see you out there soon, and uh, I'll, I'll keep in touch and hopefully uh, have you on after your next victory. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Thanks for Calling having me. Calling it a rear naked choke. <laughs> awesome. I'll take it. <laughs> all right, man. All the yes. best. Yes, sir. You too.